Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Reaching and Teaching Podcast presented by CEI Esports. I'm your host, Robinson. I'm obviously joined by my co-host, Johnny. Then we took your league draft happened this past weekend as of this recording. So we had we thought me and Johnny, we interviewed some coaches. We thought we gotta continue on with the flow, man. We gotta get another coach up in here, talk about what happened. So we thought it'd be best to get another coach of the 2K League. We got Jonah Edwards, head coach of Orlando Magic Gaming. Jonah, what's up, man? Dude, nothing. It's it's been a wild few weeks. Uh, really excited to be here and, and looking forward to chat through everything. Yep. Thank you. We we appreciate you coming on and talking. On. Tell us t- tell us what was the what was the experience like for you in the draft room and on Saturday. Well, you know, like in in the draft room, I, I know people like expect like magic to happen in the in the war room. Like I wouldn't really call it that. Um, you know, we we I, I would say I probably spent about a thousand hours of prep going into the draft. So you know, we're re- we're really well prepared. Um, I know a lot of people did these like mock drafts of like what the draft were and their accuracies. Mine was actually like 70%. So like I had a really good idea of what was going to happen in the draft and kind of where teams were going and actually got all top 10, right? So, um, you know, it it makes it a little easier when you're prepared and and able to, uh, you know, trust that, trust that homework. What do you, what what were you looking for when you were, when you made, when, when, when the draft was happening? Like, what what was going through your mind? Like that type of, because obviously you said you made, uh, you you projected top 10 to, Top. Uh, by the way, ESPN might need to hire you because you got NBA drafts coming up, <laughs> NFL drafts coming up. You might be the new Mel Kiper. Oh my goodness! Uh, so, uh, what, what was going through your mind throughout this draft? Essentially, it, it was it was a really wild draft. Like everyone knew the volatility was going to happen. Um, obviously, with with only sixty or so spots, you know, and, and half of those guys probably being unretained. You know, it, it, it's really really tricky, especially for these newer prospects to get in the pool. So um, I was just sitting back, you know, we didn't pick till 31st overall. So I was able to sit back, kind of watch all the fun and just whoever falls to us, we just take who we think is the best player there. So you, you guys obviously made a drop. You traded, you traded a top 10 pick, obviously. And you, you were, you were made a, you made it to acquire Snubby. Talk about why, why you went that route. So obviously Snubby, Snubby's a guy that we had our eyes on going into last year's draft in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, he has played with Reezy in the past. He's played with May in the past, him and DT are, are you know, know each other well. Um, so I thought that he might come in and be a great culture fit for us. He's, he's anyone that knows Snubby knows that he's like the most mellow guy ever. He's never anything but this. And that can be, you know, that can be a great trait to add to a team. And, and also like it balances pretty perfectly with the group we have now where Reezy is like this and May is like this as well, but DT is like very up and down. And, and so we need a little bit of like, you know, consistency. And, and I think Snubby is just that guy. Um, he's great in the locker room. He's, you know, obviously he's going to come play shooting guard for us, which is something that he has done before. Obviously he played point guard last year in Charlotte. Um, he's just a game head, man. Like he just, I don't know the ways to describe the way he plays. Like he plays unlike any other player in the game. He has his own movement, his own style. Um, and he's just gritty. So, you know, I know that seems weird cause it's a video game, but there is a grit factor. And I know that, you know, and it's hard to explain and articulate how it works, but um, he definitely has it. You feel snubby in that instance, but with his grit, the chemistry fit will kind of propel you guys to where you want to be. Is that kind of why you chose to take him there uh, with, with your pick? Just kind of give that chemistry for the other guys. We'll also propel you guys forward as you kind of make a run for the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, for sure. I do think he pairs incredibly well chemistry wise. Like, I, I don't know that I've, I've had a group that, that gets along as well as, as this group is right now. And obviously, you know, people say a lot about the honeymoon phase and the, you first make a team like everyone loves each other and, and then things go poorly. But, um, you know, I don't know that that's going to be our group. Um, I, I really do think we're going to get along start to finish here. And, and that's that's a blessing. Believe me, in this league like that does not happen often. So, um, and, and, you know, also when you're when you're making a trade that includes like a top 10 pick or, you know, what what should be in theory, one of your your like keystones of your franchise, one of your best players. Um, you know, I, I look at Snubby as a guy we can invest in for multiple seasons, um, a guy mm -hmm. that can be around for us for a while and and can give us that consistency that we've needed uh, in a secondary ball handler that we just have not had over the last uh, three seasons here so what was it what was it like uh when you when you acquired somebody what, what what was that initial conversation like this this is a wild story and so i'll actually go into it. this <laughs> is a wild story um so initially i reached out to big west like months before the trade window big west is of course the general manager and head coach of, of the hornets venom gt um and i asked about expose and snubby and we were interested in both of them um he then you know said like yeah there, there may be an opportunity there so months pass obviously i hear that snubby might be getting shopped around so i'm making the call and i'm like hey we have the eighth overall pick that's the best we can do we won't do anything more essentially um, and at the time he's like, no, we're not really interested. We have better offers. And um, apparently Snubby had somehow talked his way out of those offers. Uh, so apparently, <laughs> you know, Miami, I know at seven overall offered, um, you know, some, some other teams I know were in that mix with some future picks. I know, I think Philly even sent a future pick along with 12th overall to try to get them. And, you know, obviously when that is happening, you know, there's kind of an arms race, but I, I held stable the whole time. I was like, I'm giving eight overall and nothing else. Apparently Snubby said he didn't want to go to Miami. And then initially he said he didn't want to come to Orlando actually got on the phone with him. Like big West was like, okay, we're going to send him to Orlando. We, we think your trade's the best. And, and, you know, even though it doesn't have a future, like we want that higher pick this year's draft. And I'm saying, I'm thinking, okay, great. Like this is going to be awesome. And then Snowy's like, I don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, a, a few days pass and he goes, I made a huge mistake. I really changed my mind. Like, can you guys trade for me now? Um, and I'm like, okay, let's, let's figure this thing out. So I, of course, I'm like pressing. I'm like, dude, are you sure this is what you want? And He's like, yeah. So, um, you know, we end up getting a deal done. And, and obviously at the time we didn't know Charlotte had multiple other deals agreed to. So they really needed our deal to allow them to make their other deals. So um, obviously, cause they needed that first round pick. So they ended up doing a ton of movement, but it was a wild off season. I mean, those, those trade talks just like roll into one another. And I think we had like something like probably 10 different trade talks going on at once. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Go yeah. a little more detail about the trade aspect of things. I'm sorry, Rob. That's really interesting to me because obviously we're not that close to like actual GMs, actual organizations that kind of deal in these matters. So talk about like the pressure it is to kind of really have these conversations and kind of have them show with face, right? Like, hey, I'm staying firm. That's it. Sometimes I feel like you can get upcharged and like up, upsold and be like, hey, pick plus the future plus the player type of thing. So talk about kind of that process and how it kind of all works in terms of just the pressure and then your position as a coach. It's funny because like, dude, like I feel like I'm a fantasy football GM and I'm like wheeling and dealing like that's really how it feels at times. And and I'm sure that's how it feels even at the highest level. Um, you know, these guys are like talk, people talk about like having leverage in trades and that stuff absolutely exists. Like some teams have more leverage because they know that the guy they have is really good friends with guys on the other other person's team. So they have a strong desire to come get this player. And so you're you're able to say like, hey, and this this is what we saw with the, with the T-Wolves and, and Warriors trade with Slaughter. 
um, where Slaughter loves Kai and has played with Kai for a number of years, and they've done incredibly well. They've been wildly successful in the offseason, so they think we have to go get Slaughter to play, play center. And, you know, they overpay. I think they give two firsts in a future, and, and you know, that's a way overpay for Slaughter. Slaughter is a great player. Slaughter's good. Uh, but, you know, th- that kind of thing is definitely a factor. Like, you have to, you know, be able to wheel and deal and maybe, you know, add, add a third team into the mix. Like, that happened this year with, with um, the Blazers trading uh, and picking up Goofy. Obviously, they added, added Memphis and, and Brooklyn in that deal. So, um, you know, that kind of stuff, dude, it can be crazy. Like, I'm telling you, like, w- you'll have someone call you up, hey, do you have this? And I'll be like, nah. But, and then, like, I hear that they made a trade with another team that had that second-round pick they won, and it's like a three-way deal, and it's this massive deal. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, but <laughs> I would say there's like no pressure to make the deal. Like there, there really isn't um, like, we don't have, I don't feel any pressure internally from my organization to be like, Hey, you got to go make a move. Like you can't let teams surpass you or whatever. It is more like, Hey, if you want to trust the draft, you can, you know, the, the prospects better than we will. And you know, if you prefer to, to get a, a valuable guy, you know what you can get out of over maybe gambling in the draft and then, then let's do it. Uh, so obviously we've had a, we had a pandemic year uh, in the past year. It's been, it's been a very rough time for everybody. Don't have to be. <laughs> Yeah. That again? I said, I said, did, did we, did we have one? No, no, I'll say, I'll say, I'll just say, uh, so obviously what made this year, what made this year, cause yeah, you, you had the draft prospect series. What made this year different in terms of preparing for the draft and all that? Type of stuff? Cause obviously yeah, you, you went, you went a different route compared to other teams. I, I don't, I don't think that much change in draft prep because of COVID. I would say, you know, I, I would say a couple things is like, you know, I can't have the guys with me in the war room. Um, that's obviously something that, you know, I, I'm always kind of 50, 50 on whether they should be in there anyway. Um, so it wasn't really a knock um, to me at least because, uh, because, you know, those are my decisions to be making. The, the guys always want to implant their decisions and, and, and thoughts into, into what the team is doing. So um you know, other than that, I can't think of anything that, that COVID impacted for the draft prep. You know, if you think about it, you know, I'm, I'm so much on Twitch anyway. That's where most of the work is done. I'm behind the PC. And I was actually able to, to uh, this season be one of the coaches that was, you know, in the EU Invitational uh, and the APAC Invitational. So I was able to, to, to see those guys in action. I actually was the coach of the team that won the APAC Invitational with Milo at center. Um, and that was actually kind of fun because we – literally all four coaches woke up at 4 a.m. to coach at 4 a.m. Um, those guys overseas. So, and that was totally not obligated. None of us were expected. The league said, we don't expect you guys to do this. And all four of us were like, let's show these guys what the 2K league is. Like, let's wake up and and let's coach these kids and, and help them at least get that experience. So, you know, we were able to do that. And that would be the only difference is like those events typically are in person. Um, mm-hmm. And as well as the women in gaming, I was able to attend in season two, the women, women in gaming invitational. And um, this year I coached it again from, from remote. And it was certainly not the same quality of experience uh, being remote as it would be in person. And you really get to know those ladies and, and, uh, but you have seen a lot of growth. I, and there's, there's one woman I will call out that I've, I say is the top woman prospect, especially that is not in the league now. And it's AB pure blood. And she, her mm-hmm. growth from season two to season three has been massive as far as the, the invitational then and, and now. And um, if she has the same level of growth from season three to season four, she will be in the league next year. So, um, you know, it is good to see those stories. Yeah, definitely. We, and, and, and we, we talk, we say this all the time, me and John, and we, we saw, we've seen stories about women in Damian 2K We saw Shakita Evans make it. We want to see the women make it. So hopefully the league expands and people take notice so they can get drafted. So tell us about, Jonah, tell us about you. Like, how did you start at Orlando Magic Gaming as the head coach? How'd you get your start? 
Well, I would say that, you know, that I don't know that I have a timeline on when the journey kind of started. Um, you know, I, I've been playing 2K a long time myself. I think I really started getting into the competitive side back in like 2K9. That was when Team Up first came out where you could like control one player. And like yes. I was Kevin Garnett. And yeah, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> that game was actually the Kevin Garnett on the cover. That's why I think of it. But, you know, I, I met a few guys even back then that are 2K lead pros now. Um, Moody, who obviously didn't get selected on Saturday, and, and I have been friends since 2K9. I, I knew Hot Shot back then, a few other players in the league. So, you know, even back then, 12 years ago now, like we were playing the game and we were doing it for fun as children and we were all very good at it. Um, so, you know, growing up, obviously, I won, I won a, a big tournament on 2K14 at the time was the biggest uh, tournament 2K's really ever had. It was on game battles. It was, you know, a $3,000 tournament I won with who now is the head coach of the Knicks and Moody, um, uh, Kyle Rudy, the head coach of the Knicks. And us three won that event and beat tons of league pros. And so we were kind of known in the scene. And then um, Road to the All-Star Game happened and, and the Throwdown group qualified. And that was huge for us because um, I was a member of that group, even though I wasn't in the starting five. I was in the kind of the crew of, of that group. And um, after that happened, the league was announced like two months later. And at that time, I was able to use the leverage from that throwdown run and, and kind of push myself on social media. And I was relatively well known. And at the time, you know, I had the, the manager of, of the general manager of, of Mavs Gaming, who had just been announced, Anthony Morocco at the time, um, called me and was like, hey, do you want to come coach here? Like basically interviewed me on the spot, I had no idea what was going on. So it wasn't even like I applied or went forward. It was just like I tweeted I'd be open to being a coach. I posted a film breakdown I did and it was like it took it took off and um you know I, I ended up signing with the Mavs obviously Anthony was out the door um so I was still in limbo this was actually crazy like I he basically said like you have the job at in July and it's like but you're not coming till December and I have no paperwork I'm like I don't even know what's <laughs> going on is this a real thing like I'm nervous that this is gonna like fall out from underneath me or someone's gonna undercut me or something and eventually I hear from Ronnie Faust, who was the CFO and controller at the time. And, and he contacted me. He was like, Hey, like, we're going to send you an offer and you're going to come out to Dallas. And it was with Dallas season one, um, obviously. And then to get to Orlando, to answer your question, really, um, you know, I, I resigned at the end of season one, didn't go so well in Dallas and um, had several offers, tons of interviews and decided on Orlando. I just think thought that, you know, there was um, a lot to prove here. And I loved, honestly, at the time, I loved the idea of working with Ryan DeVos, who was, who's been my boss up until the last few weeks here. And um, him and I were on the competition committee season one together. And so we knew each other well from that. And, and we decided it was a good relationship and we'd, we'd, uh, I'd come down to Orlando. You, uh, you said team up, me and Johnny are the biggest, I think we might be the biggest team up guys in 2K. We <laughs> team up, like we played we play. We don't play park. We don't play. Uh, we don't play rec. We don't play all on my team. Well, I usually I usually do, but team up is the go to mode because it is so much fun playing against playing with guys using Kevin Garnett, like you said, or using LeBron James. It's such a fun atmosphere. Do you still play team up now? Uh, every now and then. I, I do every now and then still. Um, I would say less now that they pulled it off game battles. I was such a game battles head growing up. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if, if any of you guys played on that. I used to win ladders every year and like would just <laughs> spend hundreds, thousands of hours into the game. So um, now that they don't, they pulled it off for this year's game. I don't know why they hate me, man. Like I, I wanted to get on there and grind. Like um, if it was on there, I would be on it much more than I am now, but I still dabble a little bit. It's so yeah. sad because I get on I get on team up. I try to play random people. I'm like, let's let's get something going. I go on PS5 and it's like six, seven people in the lobby waiting, waiting. And I go back, <laughs> and it's like the numbers will not It's the same people. I'm like, it's like it's like 10 people in the world that play it. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, come on, you guys are missing out. But anyways, uh who when you play team up, who is your go-to player? Oh gosh, you mean like right now? 
Yeah, whatever. You know, whatever. All, all time. Yeah, whoever you felt oh, like. All, all time. I mean, like, I'm going to have answers that are like deep, deep polls here. Um, I remember my favorite like rendition of team up was um, I think it was 2K12. I want to say when Nene was on the Knicks uh, or, or sorry, on the, on the Nuggets with Mello and J.R. Smith and that team. I love uh-huh. Nene. I don't know why I love Nene. I always <laughs> played big man, but he was a demon that year. Um, so I guess your answer is Nene Hilaria, which is like a random <laughs> answer. So there you go. <laughs> Nene, wow, that's 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 quite a pull. I, my probably my favorite might be Amari Stoudemire from 2K13 because he was such a beast. He dunked every single time we played team up. But uh, how 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 did um how did that um you said you you turned team up into like quite a career? Like how how did that um you said you because you went you decided to be a coach. Usually when you play when you play so well in team up, you think okay I could become a player. Like why didn't you go in as a player and you decided to be a coach? Well, I mean, it was it was a, a definitely a struggle uh, to decide what what to do. You know, at the time, I definitely thought I was good enough to play. I think a lot of folks thought I was good enough to play. Um, you know, it was it was more so like, hey, what what do you want to do here with this, and what will look better on a resume? And you know, I was a college senior at the time, and literally, I was in my school's library when this thing was announced, and was thinking like, what should I do? Um, so you know, of course, I was still trying to play basically on the side. I was still making sure I was getting my hours in, but coaching just seemed much more stable and, and much more, you know, my speed, like anyone that knows me, you know, even like in high school, like would say that like I was a coach, then I was a huge basketball fan and basically, you know, played basketball, I'd always tried to be the coach kind of kid. And, um, you know, so I just thought it was a natural role for me. I'm, I'm naturally much more responsible. And I know like my gamer tag is daddy Jonah, which most people know me as and <laughs> it's because like, I've been, I've been known as like, the dad of my group since I was like a child. I made that gamer tag when I was 13 and, um, you know, it stuck with me. So, you know, I just thought that it was a better role for me. And so I just went for it. Um, and I was like the first person to say like, Hey, I'm open to being a coach in this league. Um, and because of that, it just kind of happened. Like I, you know, I didn't even think anything of it. I just made one tweet and a few people pushed it. And all of a sudden I'm getting phone calls from, from organizations. And, um, it just goes to show like, you know, it really is about being lucky, man. I was just in the right spot at the right time and pushed my name in the right moment and, and just got, you know, seen by the right person. So with that success, um, obviously you've had some success as a coach and you've been one of the premier coaches in the league since the beginning. But do you feel like Daddy Jonah can make a comeback? You know, just for the, you know, if you ever feel like that itch to be like, hey, let me throw my name out there just for maybe one season and see how I fare or like I'm fine being the coach for here on out. In, in season one, I would have said I would have answered that question a lot differently, differently than I would now. Like I would have said yes back then, like for sure I can play, you know, at the time, like we were scrimmaging every day. I was like literally probably in peak form. Like I, I know that, you know, and Dave Fry will probably speak to this if you ever chat with him. Uh, but he he was like, I would rather have Jonah on the court half the time than, than some of the guys on the roster we had. Um, so you know, it's just funny because, you know, obviously things change, but I don't play the game nearly enough. Now, these kids you got to be able to put in 14 hours a day to be good enough in this league. Now, I really do think that if you don't have like years of experience and, or like just are completely raw, like, or fresh and skilled, like you have to be so, you have to be so dedicated nowadays. These kids outgrind you. And I'm sure that like, if you guys like played Fortnite when it came out, if you hopped back on now, you would probably get worked, but like probably then you were probably good at it. Like you were probably all right. Like, cause kids, man, they just take off like a few years in a game. Like they're just better than you. So I would say no, I, I don't have any intentions on ever going for the league. Um, at one point, I'd say I would have loved to be like a coach player, but those days are behind me, man. I'm, I'm more than content with uh, the general manager head coach role for now. 
Oh, yeah, the evolution is crazy. I, I have no doubts that if I was to hop on, if I didn't play 2K for like a year and hopped on on like a competitive level, I would get smoked, you know? But it's just one of those things where uh, you really have to do put the time in. And I think a lot of the kids who are in the NBA 2K League, they showcase that. Like the talent level is off the charts. And you can, anyone who, who played the game, who had even a semblance of like idea of how to, how to play the game, can tell you that. Like the, the league uh, talent is just ridiculous right now. So, uh, so it's, but, it's kind of sad, though. Daddy Jonas sounds like a nice name that would have been nice <laughs> on somebody's team, on somebody's roster. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad I, I can hide that gamer tag now. And like, <laughs> I changed my at on Twitter, and, like, I, I can move on a little bit from it now. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than thrilled to do that. It's Well, I, John, at least we still have my mom, dad, now. We still have that. We still have that. In oh, place. yeah. That Donna name is never a good one. Oh, it's, it's the best gamer tag in the league, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Because we do, no, no, we do, we do lessons on the 2K League. We teach kids about the history of 2K and the 2K League, and we tell them about that grind. And in that grind of making the 2K League, we show them, Mama, I'm that man. We make sure that they're familiar with this work. But, anyways, let's get back to let's get back to your team. Last year, you guys went seven to nine. You missed the playoffs, unfortunately. Talk about what happened last year and what what and what didn't work for you. Um, well, not a lot worked for us. So I'd say most things didn't work. Um, you know, we. This is the thing that was interesting about last year is, is I think we had a really talented group um, that just didn't, you know, get along that well, didn't have the best chemistry, didn't have the best culture together. Um, and obviously COVID is to blame for some of that, but I almost blame the beginning of our season, like what happened right at the start. So we, you know, we, for the first month or maybe three weeks, we didn't lose a scrimmage series. We were beating the wizards. We beat the Raptors. We beat up on everybody. Teams were saying we were the best team in the league. We had all this hype around us. Um, and so that, a lot of times that hype can can work in a positive way. But for us, it worked, I think, very negatively. And it put pressure on our shoulders. And when we, we didn't perform, it was like, what the hell did we just, you know, what what's the difference? Um, so then we're like, you know, we're nitpicking. We're finding small details in people. And, you know, once that that kind of starts, it it decreases the overall confidence level of some of these guys. And they're not feeling as free to go make a, make a mistake or a good play. You know, obviously – to, to, to gamble and try to go make a good play is also, you know, you have mistakes with that as well. So um, that was our biggest issue really is we got off to such a hot start in camp that we were so worried about winning games. We weren't worried about improving in scrimmages. Uh, so obviously this year, like that's going to be a big focus for us, but you know, we had a number of other issues where, you know, I think at times our offense was super stagnant. I think anyone that watches us knows that our offense was super stagnant. Um, that was also just a league build last year at times. So I think a bit of that is due to that, but you know, also we, we were not good in transition ever. We had a bad press. I mean, so I can talk about, you know, a lot of things that weren't good for us. I could talk all day about that. Um, you know, I will say that we had, we had a good leader in, in Reezy, you know, DT obviously, unfortunately had to go home for a little while and he came back. And when he, when he was here, we were far better than when he wasn't here. But even when he was gone, we, you know, we beat the Kings and we beat them scoring 47 points a game. I mean, we did not beat them because we were more talented than them. We beat them because we wanted to beat them at that moment. We were very, very back against the wall. Um, you know, I, I kept I kept saying, like, you know, stuff like, uh, what, what does a dog do when it's backed in a corner? It's like, it's going to bite. Like, it's time. Like, let's go. Um, and, and I think it really – we really got to the guys. And that, that Kings game actually was, like, one of my favorite games ever uh, because we didn't even know we were supposed to play that day. The schedule from the league changed the day prior – so we go into practice thinking we're just a normal day. And then obviously, you know, we hear like we're playing the Kings at night. And so we're like not even prepared. So like we're like scrambling. We're all like all hands on deck getting ready for this game. Because normally I'll have like a bunch of stuff prepared. And, um, you know, we were all hands on deck. And so we get there and we, we play. And it's just like we try a new lineup. It doesn't work. We look terrible. But we still win the game because we're just smarter and playing better. And 
Um, it just felt like a, a coaching team morale victory. And we were able to kind of use that momentum to, to sneak a few on the way out and, you know, good wins. You know, if you look at our wins from last year, Sacramento, Golden State, Minnesota, Milwaukee, like four teams that were basically uh, one through 10 in the standing. So, you know, if, if we were to just not lose to Detroit and Atlanta and Cleveland and teams that we should have beaten on, on paper, we would have been one of the more competitive teams last year. So this, this league is very, it's very hard to separate yourself. It's so much parity. Um, so, you know, we, we really do think we're in a good position now, but dude, not a lot went right last year. And we're, we're more than aware of that. And, you know, obviously we're going to look to try to right the ship here. I think it's a silver lining, all right? So not much has gone right. But you were still able to sneak out a couple of wins there to kind of end the season off right. And you also didn't have all the talent, all the collective units together, the pieces together. You figure now with everything uh, in place that it definitely should be no reason why you guys can make the playoffs. So I think definitely it's silver lining that even though things didn't go right, you were still able to kind of work with what you had. And now that you have everything back, you can make a good run. There's something to be said about a team that has a chip on their shoulder. And I think that like yeah. our group right now does, and there's a couple other groups that I can think of, like I'd be stunned if the Pacers weren't a successful team this year. Like, because I think that they have a ton to prove Jomar and Wolf and, and those guys like lavish. They've not had good seasons the last few years. A lot of them are seen as like, they're on their way out. They're old, they're veterans. They're, they're going to be done. And, you know, I, I would be stunned to see them not be successful in the same way that, you know, I'd be stunned to not see us be a little better than we were last year, just because I, I really do think that we all have a chip on our shoulder. We're hungrier than ever. And, um, you know, just ready to, to get to work, which I don't think last year we worked hard enough, to be honest. And mm. you know, that's not my culture. That's not my coaching identity at all is kind of working too much. A lot of times is, is kind of what I'm about. So, um, you know, we're, we're certainly going to get back to kind of our season two ways there. That's yes. That's that's crazy. Like you had, you, you beat some of the good teams. You beat the Raptors in the scrimmage. You went undefeated last year. You beat you beat the Wizards. You beat the Golden State. That's really fascinating. Just and and it seems that you guys have a chip on your shoulder. You have a motivation. Just talk about from a pandemic perspective how tough last year was. Yeah, I mean it was it was absolutely challenging. So you know the the biggest mistake we made as a group was we we decided to have our guys come down January fifteenth. We wanted them to get them in market, get them acclimated. Um, of course, we didn't realize then that a pandemic would be coming and they can't go home. So we got guys that hadn't been home in eight nine months at the end of the season. And you gotta understand, like these are this is a twenty one year old kid that like has never been away from home for more than three months. And so now he's like tripling that amount of time, you know, he's like devastated. He can't see his family. Um, so it was, it was, that was already a huge, huge blunder on our end that we of course, you know, couldn't really anticipate because at the time Corona was seen as a joke. It was a meme, um, you know, so that, that hurt a lot, but, you know, also, you know, we, we moved, you know, obviously we have a gaming studio that's, that's in a, in a sportsplex here in Orlando. Um, that's really, really gorgeous. It's a, a super nice area and, and everything's awesome. Everything's in the building we need. And, you know, we, we had to move from that because of COVID. So we moved to the apartments of course, internet out of the apartments is not great. So now we're struggling with internet issues. So we moved back to the studio and then we got the stay at home mandate from the state. Um, so we, then we had to move back to the apartments. So you guys know where I'm going here. Eventually we, we play a few more games from the apartments. So we moved back to the studio. So, and by this, I mean, it is me grabbing all of six monitors, six PCs, everything you need, all the ethernet cords, power cords, HDMIs, display ports, everything you need and putting them in my, in my Jeep and driving like literally seven different times during the course of the year. And you got to understand with 2K, like, especially at the highest level, like the, this, the smallest latency difference is felt and noticed. 
So every single internet connection has just different latency. Um, so of course, every time we switch, like the guys take days to get acclimated, maybe even weeks to get acclimated to their new timing of their jump shot, because it's simply just a different muscle memory. Uh, so it, it is not a fun, was not a fun experience in that way. And and obviously, like I said, they're quarantining, you have to stay at home. You know, we're, we were big, especially in season two, about like team dinners and going out and having fun as a group and all that just pulled out from under you. Um, so now it's more like we were in survival mode. We were just like, let's get through the year. Let's try to win as many as we can in the meantime. And, and hopefully we can we can make a run. And, you know, we just weren't able to do that at the end there. You feel that because of the connectivity issue, that there was a competitive advantage for some teams that kind of didn't have that much of a, change and impact in terms of just how they competed? Do you think that was a kind of a, a competitive advance for some? I, I know this is like a controversial question and answer probably, but a hundred percent. Yes. Anyone that thinks there wasn't some sort of inherent advantage that some teams had because of this, they're wrong. Um, some teams were in better situations. The Raptors were in a house every day. They didn't move. They had bell five, you know, all this is a, you know, huge, huge resource, you know, the owners of the Raptors own bell five. Um, so it's not like they don't have a tons of connections. They can't pull in as much as they would ever need um, there. So, you know, it, it certainly was an advantage. That does not mean that they didn't put the work in to win the games they won because they absolutely did. Kenny got work. He, I mean, he was a legend in retail last year. That guy sweated on the game. He deserved to have the success he had. So don't uh, certainly don't mean to discredit groups, but, you know, even one team I think of is Sacramento is, is apparently they didn't have a ton of delay when they played on your server, but when you played on theirs, it was not a winnable experience. I mean, for us, at least like we could have played a hundred games. We could have played a perfect game and we would have gotten smoked on their server. It just was like a truly unplayable laggy nightmare. Um, so I can't imagine playing on that for, I mean, we did, I can't imagine playing on that for a large amount of money. Um, it's, it's super frustrating. And, you know, you can only tell your guys, Hey, control what you can control so many times before kind of just in one ear and out the other yeah and we talked we talked to the head coach of the kings game dj lane he mentioned that they had i believe johnny you can correct me if i'm wrong that he did mention some connectivity issues on his end as well so maybe that could he be did he did but again like when you're trying to connect servers and it's just like it's going to be differences in, in terms of who has what in terms of the the, the, the full speed and everything like that so it's amazing because that, that's one of the things about being a virtual league right is that those things may happen right whereas that yes in the in, in couple of days you were in a setting where you guys were together in one arena and you were playing out these games but now with COVID it's kind of a, a different uh, feel and aspect to it and obviously now for this season this is kind of what's going to be the uh setup for this season as well so hopefully those issues can kind of uh you know themselves it won't be as much of an issue because you don't want to determine a winner through activity issues that's kind of just it's not what the league is about so I think, uh, hopefully the league gets on that and uh, you can have a better little uh with the, with, with the internet connection well the, the wizards make me sound like i'm capping because like honestly like <laughs> they play from apartments and they still just smoked everyone start to finish so um you know it, it's certainly like at the end of the day anyone that wanted to win was good enough to win was still would have won yeah. especially if you didn't have those issues but so of course i don't mean to discredit anybody that certainly is not the intent Absolutely I, not. I love dj actually i think dj's one of the league's better coaches he goes so under the radar no one gives dj lay any love like he 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 you know, D loading has been around a minute. I've known him for a while. He was, he qualified back in like 2K16, rode to the finals. He's a demon. So I don't mean to take discredit him and his group anyway. So, 
definitely no problem with that. Uh, have you? <laughs> has, Sorry. Has the league? Has, have you talked to the league? I know it's 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 hilarious. <laughs> I know I know you're laughing at Johnny. I, I was thinking about the captain. I said, "Whoa!" <laughs> it was the first time someone brought up an interview. I was like, "Okay." Uh, have you talked to the league at all? How this upcoming season gonna look like? So you avoid those type of issues? Have they told you anything? Any changes they're trying to make? Anything like that? Yeah, there's a, there's a few things. Um, so obviously the first thing you're going to see is conferences in our league now. So teams that are at least closer regionally are supposed to play each other more often than, than playing okay. teams that maybe are, are so far away. Um, there's supposed to be another server added, the central server, where essentially the idea is that if you're like the Knicks and you're playing the Kings, instead of, you know, the Kings pinging to New York and New York pinging to SAC, um, they would both ping to Chicago in a central server. Um, which would be a huge help, I think, in a lot of those east-west crazy matchups, especially um, in, in any any tournament or, or playoff atmosphere. Um, we will still certainly be online, but at least like having a year of, ex of experience and, and time to, to kind of get our online experience, you know, optimized is definitely helpful too. You know, we, we certainly didn't even know what to expect. We were just kind of loading up. Um, and then I don't want to leak anything crazy, but I think that the league being on console this year, and I can't say which console, but anyone that knows, knows. Um, the league being on console this year is certainly going to help that too, because I do think that there's just natural internet caps on consoles that don't exist on PC. So, you know, obviously if you have like a thousand download, I don't know if you guys, what internet you guys pull, but um, if you have a thousand download normally on your speed test, when you speed test on your Xbox, for example, it's not giving you more than 400 download, right? So like, <laughs> You know, like you, you actually don't have an advantage from having better internet at that point uh, than, mm. than whatever the max is on the on the, the basically the card that the Xbox has. So, um, you know, that I think that will all play a factor, and, and I think that we're going to see less connectivity issues. We'll still see them; they'll still exist. There's still going to be blunders like, um, you know, dropouts mid games and what happens then, and you know, the foul situation and the time, and you know, people are going to milk these clock scenarios <laughs> and do these things where, you know, like. For example, if, if you drop out in the fourth quarter of a game, this is something people don't even know that like when you're watching the game. So when you drop out and they just, we have to go to a fresh restart. There's no like situation mode in this league build because there, there is one in the land mode, but not in the online mode. Um, and so it just wasn't built out in time and there, it probably won't be again this year. So you restart basically in the first quarter of the game and they give you a side out of bounds. And it's like, but you can't call a timeout and advance the ball in the first quarter of a, of a basketball game. But, uh, you know, in, in the fourth quarter, under two minutes, you or you can advance the ball. And so, like, mm. those kinds of things don't happen. And that's, to me, like, the biggest issue with with uh, online remote versus in, in, in person is, like, the small situations and not having the right foul or timeout count or your takeover goes away or, or things like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, is that uh, yeah, I don't even think of that. So, that's, that's a good – that's a thing to keep note of. Um, so – do you have any like cool experience? You told us like some of the, the wild stories of when you try to, when you acquired Snubby and all that type of stuff and how you made it to the Orlando Magic Gaming. Do you have any other cool stories or experiences from, or things that you learned from being in the 2K League? Gosh, I mean, I feel like I've done a ton of things now. Um, I've sat courtside at several games with the Magic. Um, I've got to meet a ton of players over the course of my time. You know, even when I was in Dallas, I there was one time we were picking something up from, the practice facility and I'm literally walking through the locker room and it's like Dirk, JJ Berea, Michael Finley right here, who actually Michael Finley was one of the coaches uh, at the time was with the organization. And 
that is who stunned me because I'm an old head kind of basketball fan. And so like Michael Finley was a God in my eyes. Like I remember him, you know, growing up, especially like, especially towards the end of his career with San Antonio. And I loved him. So I was like Dirk and JJ are over here and I'm more stunned by Michael Finley. I'm like, oh, that's Michael Finley. And I don't even care about Dirk, um, which is like really ironic, but um, you know, it just was crazy. I actually remember season one, I was interviewing Ramo from the Pistons and he probably remembers this. Um, all of a sudden walks past me as Mark Cuban, Dwight Powell and JJ Barea going into the office literally next door to me. So they're like five feet away as I'm doing this interview and he can see them. So he's not paying attention to me anymore. He's like, he's like, that's Mark Cuban right there. And I'm like, yeah, that's Mark. Like we, you know, his <laughs> office is right there. I like normally right there. And he's like, Oh my God, like Dallas seems awesome. And it's like, you know, those kinds of experiences, dude, are, are really, um, they're insane, like to think about now, but you know, it kind of does spoil you a bit. Cause now it's like, it doesn't seem that special. And anytime I go to an NBA game, like if I'm not sitting in a suite or courtside, it's like, eh, this is just a normal game now, I guess. So. <laughs> oh, you saw Dirk. No one the seven foot legend that's the goat of the Dallas Mavericks. Let's see Michael Finley. And I saw that Quinn Richardson gave you guys a shout out on uh, on your on your Twitter when you guys made the draft. So that that must have been pretty cool too. Yes, absolutely. That's another guy, especially because I did grow up a Knicks fan. So he was a Nick for a little while, and and obviously, um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah, John, I did, I bought my stuff on Marbury St. Patrick's Day jersey yesterday. I can't wait till it comes in the mail. It's gonna be tremendous. Oh my, oh my gosh, that's a major throwback right there. Um, those St. Patties were great, especially then. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh. Let, let's uh, let's talk about you. You guys, you you made the draft picks. You made a lot. You made a lot of moves this offseason. You feel you feel more confident in your chemistry this year. What 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 are you what, what are your goals for the two K league? It could be not it could not, it doesn't have to be for the team. It could be for you personally as well. Well, you know, I I certainly am thinking team oriented because um, you know I, I I don't look at my activity with the, with the team and think of anything like how can I you know perform better. I I just want to win games. Um, you know. It is a little disrespectful. I see us already on power rankings 21st in a lot of them, which is like third to last, which is, you know, it just goes to show that people don't like trading for savvy veterans. They would much rather have flashy new draft picks and, you know, they don't like the idea of DT at power forward and all this. It's like, you know, we have guys that we believe in, so that's fine. Um, as well as, you know, on the tier list, I saw a tier list, coaching tier list. They had me tier four. And I have a, I do have above a 500 record in this league. So it's not like I'm like, <laughs> I have not made the playoffs, which is true. And that's the biggest knock. Um, but, you know, I have above 500 records. So the guys that want to put me in like the bottom of the coaches, that's just not even remotely true. And um, so we all have a lot to prove. And, and you know, we're, we're going to we're really ready to kind of to, to prove people wrong. And, you know, I, I really do. Like I said, I do think that like the addition of future and pots is going to be huge for us. They're, they're super high energy, high character dudes. Future is he's hilarious. I mean, just like a super high energy ball of energy kind of guy um, that kind of lift up the room. He's 19 and just turned 19. I mean, he's like super, super young. Wow. And um, I think we needed some of that, just like hunger and youth in our group. And Potts is the opposite, like, you know, super intelligent, great kid, um, you know, is just going to push people to death. So like, I think it, we're in a really, really good spot, even though it doesn't seem like it according to the list, but we all have a chip on our shoulder. We, we all know that we're better than we performed the last two seasons even. And you know, what's really crazy is like I said, I haven't made the playoffs, but season two, we were expected to be a lot of power rankings had us 21st as well. One of the worst teams in the league at the time. And um, 
we were fifth in the league in wins. If you include tournaments, we went nine and seven, missed the playoffs on tiebreakers. And it was just unfortunate um, the way it went down. You know, we actually were beating the Celtics um, and, and our point guard Reese has this heart condition um, and he's, he's having like a heart palpitation attack mid game. So at halftime, people don't even know this. This is crazy. Um, so at halftime versus Celtics, we're up like eight. I want to say he comes to me and says, dude, we got to go to the hospital. The second this game's over. And like, he, we're, we're in, we're in person. Like he's sitting next to me. I was like, what do you mean? Like, are you, are you okay? He's like, it's like, dude, my heart's going crazy. It's beating like 140 times a minute. Like I can count it. Like it's so bad. Um, so I'm like, can you play? He's like, yeah, I can play, but we got to go right after. And I'm like, okay. So we ended up losing that game on like a really close game at the end. And so, you know, I don't even care. It's like, I got to get my kid to the hospital. Um, but you know, if we had won that game when he, maybe our point guard doesn't have this flipping heart attack on stage uh you know we would have been in the playoffs so so much crazy stuff happens in this league that you can't even like prepare for it all like that was insane to me so that's crazy that's like it's oh wow i can't i can't even fathom like what's going through your mind as the game's like hey we gotta fin- let's wrap up this game but oh by the way this guy's having a heart attack mid-game i, I gotta look yeah. at we, we can't win without him he's our best player. Like we couldn't have even played without him. We weren't even prepared to play without. It's like, it's like the Lakers playing without Kobe. Like, it's just not a thing. Like you just could have done it at the time. <laughs> Rookie of the year. It's just right. like, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't just be like, all right, let's just sit him out. But that's, that's wild. I can't, I can't. Can you tell you why, like what, what, what caused it? Was it just the, the, the intense nature of the game or. That, that day. That day was crazy. Because obviously you fly to New York to play your games at that time in season two, um, hopefully again in season five. But, um, you know, we, we had the flight delay. We, we land in New York. We're waiting on the, on the shuttle for like, the, at the time, LaGuardia had crazy construction. So we're like mm-hmm. walking across to another terminal to even get picked up by our shuttle. And we're in traffic. We, we're, we're supposed to play in 10 minutes and we're like 30 minutes from the studio. So we get our time pushed back an hour. And they're like, can you guys still make it? You know, normally you have time to go to the hotel, take a nap, like eat lunch. Like we're way behind. And so we're like scrambling to even make it on time. And so I think that whole thing leading up to it was, was really part of it. And the league, you know, I don't mean to be too critical, but they put us in a bad situation there where like, we're not even able to like splash water on our face. We're walking in the building. We're, we're sitting in seats. We're playing the game. Um, so I think that whole process was just like part of that and goes to show like even us even being that close. And I believe we were on home side that game. So if you guys remember the home and away was a big deal um, mm-hmm. in season two, we were home and still almost won that game. And it was a wild ride, man. Like I look back on that and think like, I don't even know what we could have done differently. Um, like it was not like a lack of preparation. It was just super unlucky at the end of the season. So. Damn LaGuardia Ooh. airport. <laughs> uh, so, wow. This, you've, you, you've done, you've done a lot. You've been through a lot. Um, what, any message you have for people that, like you talk about people that were, didn't make the league. We also teach kids. We do lessons on 2K League. We want to make sure that this is something that could possibly do a career in esports because our main thing is esports with our after-school programs. What do you? What advice or, any, or knowledge you could pass along to them and people who want to make the league? Yeah, so a couple things. Uh, so first of all, and this can go for any esport, anything in life. I mean, t- take yourself seriously, I would say, first of all. I think so, so often in the esports space, people think this is like a joke or you know, because it's seen as gaming, like they aren't taking it as seriously as you would look yourself in the mirror, take this seriously. Do you want to improve? 
there are ways to improve, be introspective, um, you know, understand that, you know, how do you get better? Don't just like play the game to play the game. You know, there's improving by playing and then there's just playing mindlessly and aimlessly. Um, so take yourself seriously. First of all, brand yourself, take every single hour on the game. Seriously. What can you take away from every hour? Are you optimizing your practice, your practice time? Are you, you know, these kinds of things are how the best esports players get to where they are. Um, I know that seems crazy because a lot of these guys are just playing for fun, but they are much better at this naturally than other guys. And, you know, that goes to every esport. Like you can't make a League of Legends roster in the LCS or even Academy or even a collegiate team nowadays without taking your, your time very seriously. Um, I'm a big League of Legends fan myself. I don't know if you guys are, but I love League. And, um, yeah. you know, you know, I follow LCS very heavily. I'm a huge TSM fan. So, um, you know, so I would say that first of all. And then the next thing I'll say is, is your approach every day. Like get, get a schedule down, you know, be, be in rhythm, be, you know, this is the way to live your life anyway, healthy, um, you know, sleep at the same time every night, wake up at the same hour every day. You know, I think if you practice these things, you're, you're so much better in your rhythm. You're so much more natural behind the sticks that it, it just makes it so much easier for you to be successful. I think oftentimes, especially at home, people are like having these crazy sleep schedules and doing all this. And I just think it's really, really a, a, a terrible way. Imagine an NBA athlete training and they're staying until 5 a.m. and then waking up at 2 p.m. and then going back to work. It's like, that's not a healthy lifestyle. Um, so, and, and that's kind of what these guys in gaming do, right? Is, is that, that is their schedule. So I think that, uh, well, guys and ladies, um, but yeah, I think that, you know, obviously those are my biggest pieces of advice, but, you know, also like network, you know, get around, understand the scene. I think so often people just jump into a scene. They think they're talented. They expect it to happen you know, you have to acclimate yourself. You have to introduce yourself to folks. You have to be in streams. You have to learn from the best, talk to the best, play against or with the best. Like you, that's the only way to get success in the world is to do things like this. So, you know, obviously you, you shouldn't expect to just be talented that someone's going to come and find you. You have to put yourself out there too, which again, kind of goes back to take yourself seriously, brand yourself, stream on Twitch, um, you know, practice every day. You know, those, those are the best ways I think to kind of get here and even if you're not some incredibly talented, you know, you know, 2K guy or, or, or LCS level talent, um, you can make it in a different way. I, you know, I was always like, you know, one of the better guys growing up, but nowadays I would be the fifth or sixth best team on a roster or, or player on a roster. Sorry. Um, so, you know, you, you have to understand that be willing to accept the role, but even if, if you're not, you know, one of the talented guys that can get drafted, find another path. I mean, I, I would say Len, Len Griffey from the Jinji Tigers of Shanghai um, in our league, the 2K league, um, obviously. Uh, he was a season two prospect, didn't get selected, went to work for Dimer, who was the news publication, uh, the foremost news publication site for the 2K league at the time, wrote a ton of articles, did a ton of scouting reports and, and pieces on film. And he gets hired the next offseason because he just worked really hard during the, during the offseason uh, or during the season to, to, you know, show that he does have this knowledge, this level of knowledge and, He's just a guy who came from nowhere. Like he wasn't in the 2K scene two years, even prior to that. Like he came out of nowhere and made the pool, used it as leverage, got this, this diamond position, used that as leverage and got a head coaching job in the league and like boom, 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 all within a year. Um, so you don't have to be crazy talented or special. You really just got to outwork people, honestly. And it, it's easier than it sounds, um, but it actually is easier. It, it, it's, it's not as hard as you would think. I, I really do think that. So, Wow. Got it. I think we might have to add something into our PowerPoint presentations when we do with our kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it's phenomenal. 
I can do that. Um, my favorite quote is always, uh, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. So obviously, you know, having that work ethic and, and the drive to understand what you're doing first and what, why are you working so hard and applying that to your daily routine, daily life is essential for anyone who wants some sort of success in esports or any venture in life. So uh, that's really good advice, I think, for our students and just people in general. Yeah. Uh, so uh, last thing, uh, we have just two qu two more questions. We'll be done with here. Anything that we missed or something that we didn't mention that you wanna you wanna say anything before we call it a we call it a day? Oh gosh, I can't even think of anything. We we did cover a lot here, um, and I've been doing a lot of rambling. So sorry, but um, oh, we love it. Perfect. We love it. Perfect. Okay. okay, great. <laughs> we said, wait, Donnie, we might. This might be like thirty minutes. We were at fifty minutes, and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> I didn't even I haven't even checked the clock till now but no I don't I don't think I have anything extra here um you know obviously it's been a wild journey so you know I would just say to anyone out there who like you know is, is obviously trying to to grind to get to this point you know this didn't happen overnight you know I, I did this as for fun I did this you know just because I loved doing it for years and years and years and you know um even at one time went away for a year and came back and you know obviously I just think that it, you know have purpose in what you're doing, but, you know, ultimately like have fun with it too. And, and understand it's, you know, not every passion you have is a profession either. So it's just, that's, that's the reality of life. And not every basketball junkie is a basketball coach or player. And that's just the reality of, of life. So. Nice. Definitely. I could, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, where, where can, where can the people find you, Jonah? Before we conclude this interview. Yeah. Twitter at Jonah Edwards underscore. That's, that's pretty much the only thing I use. Um, the same, same handle on Instagram, but I, I'm typically always on Twitter. So if anyone ever wants to reach out, feel free. I have open DMs. So uh, my DMs are a safe space for the most part, unless you're uh, sending, <laughs> sending some weird stuff to me. I, you, you know, you get all kinds of weird DMs nowadays. Uh, so uh, hey, what's up with weird deals we talking about here like dude like i'll have people be like how i try out for orlando it's like dude like you are we the draft is tomorrow so like you can't try out like <laughs> like we're picking guys tomorrow so it's like it's like you know do your homework like don't i'm not i'm not you know i'm not your teacher here i'm, I'm a gm of an organization so obviously i want you to understand the league i want you to be a fan of the league i want you to play in the league if you can and but ultimately like you know Try, try to be prepared, especially when you're hopping in. A, I'm like, imagine messaging your employer, like a potential employer and being like, Hey, when's your, when's your open interviews? It's like, like, <laughs> are you going to send your resume? Like, what, you know, like that's, that's, what's kind of funny about it is if, if you think about it that way, which, in, you know, I take interviews very seriously. That whole process is very, very important to, to our group. So um, obviously it, it, that kind of messaging should, should be uh, professional and, and definitely does matter. Yep. Definitely. So yeah, give them, give them a follow, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, also, if you want to give it a follow, I know Magic Gaming, because I love their logo. It looks really cool. It looks like the same. <laughs> if you, if you follow Naruto, it's like one of the balls of the stage of the six pass. It looks like that. <laughs> kind of cool to me, but Hey, if you, if that's just me, but uh, you might've right. just given us the only compliment on our logo that we've ever gotten. <laughs> I like it. I really cool. I was like, I, I did admit, I was like, where is it? But then I saw it. I was like, okay, there it is. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that'll do it for this edition of the reaching and teaching podcast presented by cii esports that is jonah edwards ladies and gentlemen he thank you so much for coming along and talking to us it's really a phenomenal interview we learned a lot about the 2k league and some phenomenal stories about how how things work so we really appreciate you giving us time yes thank you so much yeah. Jonah, for coming on and uh, we gotta get that team up matchup going we have a little yeah, free time man and bring, bring back the uh nene vibes you know it's probably a vacancy somewhere you know so <laughs> yeah, you guys will probably work me, actually, but I, I appreciate your time, dude. This was a lot of fun, so th thank you guys. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, check us out on uh, um, on Instagram, Reaching the Teaching Podcast on Instagram. You can find us on um, where you get your podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, YouTube. We're up there. We want to see our beautiful Apple podcast. Uh, Apple podcast, all that type of stuff. And thanks a lot, ladies and gentlemen. See you guys soon. Take care.